Thank you, Daryl, for that prayer this morning. Very appropriate. Well, this morning, as a church, we come to the end of our study of the book of Habakkuk. In fact, we come to the very end. In the ending of the book of Habakkuk, if you're not familiar with it, it's a beautiful ending, important ending. If you're visiting with us this morning, I have been preaching through this minor prophet in the Old Testament, been doing six sermons. This is sermon number six. Next week we begin our missions conference, our month-long missions conference. And so we come this morning to Habakkuk chapter 3 and verses 16 through 19. And let me just read that for you this morning. Habakkuk is in the midst of a prayer that encompasses all of chapter 3. And in verse 16, the prophet says, he prays, I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. Well, our first point this morning is a powerful prayer. We began to look at the prayer of Habakkuk, in response to the great declarations of God. And we looked at verses, especially verses 2 through 15 last week. And through the prophetic revelation of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, Habakkuk declares the greatness of God and the mighty actions of God. And as I shared with you last Sunday morning, this is one of the great prayers of the Bible. Think of Herbert Lockyer's book, All the Prayers of the Bible, that famous book. And if you are one who likes to chronicle the prayers of the Bible, Old and New Testament, make note of this. In fact, all of us should make note of this. Habakkuk chapter 3 is one of the great prayers of the Bible. As I mentioned last week, this is a poetic prayer intended to be put to music. In verse 1, it says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. In verse 2, he prays, really makes his only petition in the entire prayer. Oh, Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear in the midst of the years revive it, in the midst of the years make it known in wrath, remember mercy. 
God had told Habakkuk that he would indeed punish Habakkuk's people because of their wickedness and sin. And he was going to punish Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Judah by bringing the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, to destroy them, to take them captive. And Habakkuk is filled with struggle. How can you bring a people who are more evil than we are to punish us? And then God declares to him that one day, oh yes, one day the Babylonians will be destroyed. And in chapter 2 we saw those five great woes that God declares against the Babylonians. And then at the very end, the very end of chapter 2, it says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. The Lord is seated on the throne of his holy temple, so let all the earth be silent. And then Habakkuk prays. He says, O Lord, I have heard the report about you and your work, and I fear you, Lord. He says, you have done great works in the past, and I want you to do them again. I want you to do them again. And if you remember last week, in verses 3 through 7, Habakkuk declares the greatness of God. It is a majestic picture of the living God. And then verses 8 through 15, Habakkuk recites the mighty works of God. And as I shared with you, those works are closely associated with this period in Israel's history where God brings out Israel from Egypt in the Exodus, then takes them through the wilderness wanderings to the crossing of the Jordan River into the Promised Land, And Habakkuk says, Oh, Lord, you did these great works in the past. Revive them again. Revive them again. But he knows. His own people are about to be punished. And one day God will punish the Babylonians. And so he says, Oh, Lord, in your wrath, please remember your mercy. Please I know you're going to bring great punishment upon us and then upon the Babylonians, but don't ever, don't ever forget your mercy. And so that was last week. And as we come to the end of Habakkuk's powerful prayer, his entire body and all of his emotions are engaged with God. There is something about verse 16. As you read verse 16, you realize this is no half-hearted, go-through-the-motions prayer. Every part of him, every emotion, every part of his body is engaged with God in prayer. You know, for many years I have studied prayer. And I have sought to be a man of prayer. But it seems like the more I learn about prayer, the more I realize I still have a long way to go. Look at verse 16. I want you to just feel with Habakkuk what he is going through as he prays. I hear, and my body trembles. 
My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. This is prayer. I mean, you talk about prayer. This man is engaged in deep before the throne of God prayer. And he says, yet, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us, Lord. I know you will fulfill your word. One day you will punish the Babylonians. You will. And as I mentioned last week, Habakkuk would die before it ever happened, but he knew that God would one day fulfill his word, and he says, I wait. I quietly wait for you, Lord. I quietly wait for that day. Well, our second point this morning is the mountaintop. In verses 17 through 19, we come to the mountaintop of the entire book of Habakkuk. Not just his prayer, but the entire book. Verse 17, Habakkuk prays. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, verse 18, yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And I want you to know in verse 17 that what Habakkuk recites is no random list. It's not some haphazard list. Habakkuk lived in a predominantly agricultural society. They were farmers. They farmed to sustain themselves. They farmed to provide for their families. And he says, even if we lose everything, even if we lose it all, if the fig tree should not blossom, if there are no grapes that come on the grapevines, if the olive crop fails, if there's no food in the fields, if they take away all of our flocks and all of our herds, And I want you to know, this would happen to Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Judah at the hands of the Babylonians. They were coming. They were coming to invade, to kill, to plunder, and to take them into captivity. You want an interesting read sometime? If you're not familiar with it, read the book of Lamentations. Read the five chapters of the book of Lamentations, and you will know how bad it got. It was really bad, and I mean really bad. And Habakkuk prays, even if we lose it all, everything, yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He doesn't just say, I will rejoice. This isn't, don't worry, be happy. I will rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. Though I lose it all, though I lose everything, I will find joy in the Lord. I will take joy 
in the God of my salvation. He is saying, I have a personal, intimate love relationship with God that will sustain me even when we lose everything. Everything. Reminds me of Ephesians 6.13. The Apostle Paul, in the midst of that great section on the armor of God, says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Put on that full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when the day of your severest temptations and the days of your severest trials come, you'll be found standing for the Lord. You'll be found standing for the Lord. Therefore, put on. Every day. The full armor of God. And then verse 19. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. God, the Lord, he says, is my strength. God doesn't just give me strength. He's my strength. God is my strength. And then he gives this beautiful word picture. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. It was interesting reading about that this week. I read that on the west bank of the Dead Sea, the terrain is hilly and rocky and rough. But on that terrain, there are deer. Deer that are absolutely beautiful. They are fast. They are light. It's almost as if they're gliding on air, and they are extremely sure-footed. Terrain that would be very difficult. Some of you are hikers. would be very difficult for people to walk. Yet they're just gliding on it, sure-footed, Beautiful scene. And Habakkuk says, He, God, makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread, be sure-footed on the high places. When life is rocky and rough and hard to navigate, He makes you like the deer. He makes you like the deer. And then that very last sentence is not just some meaningless tack on. To the choir master with stringed instruments. And it means this. This prayer was meant to be put to music. This prayer was meant to be sung by God's people. This prayer was meant to be remembered and never forgotten. I want us to think about verse 18 and the first part of verse 19. I just want you to let, to really take that in this morning. Yet, even if I lose it all, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. Countless, countless numbers of God's people while walking through life's deepest and darkest valleys have been encouraged and strengthened by this passage of Scripture. Very important passage. I was reading this week about a family had a 27-year-old son who struggled deeply with mental illness. One day, they found him dead. He had taken his own life. And they said they just struggled so much. And a member of their church sent them this passage of Scripture. And they said it was this passage of Scripture that sustained them through those darkest hours and all the questions that they had. And I read that this passage has sustained many of God's people through cancer, through other physical illnesses, through mental illness, through financial hardships, through marital struggles. You see, too many Christians serve a God of the good times. As long as we're experiencing good times, we'll serve him. But I want all of us to know, if all you have is a God of the good times, you don't have the God of the Bible. Because he's there through all the times. And I just want us to keep in mind, big picture focus this morning. As the book of Habakkuk ends, nothing has changed. The people of Judas have still forgotten God. Violence still reigns in Jerusalem. The wicked still oppress the righteous. And the Babylonians are still God's appointed instrument for judgment. Hard times are coming. And there is nothing that anyone can do about it. Destruction, violence, strife, Conflict, injustice, and wickedness were all that Habakkuk could see at this time. But he cried out to God. He cried out to God, and God heard his prayer. God heard his cry. Habakkuk has changed. He has a deeper, fuller, richer understanding of the God he serves. Let me repeat what I shared with you last week. Nothing, nothing has changed on the outside, but Habakkuk has changed on the inside. After communion this morning, after we share communion, we're going to close with a song, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I deliberately saved this song this particular song, till the end of the book. In the first two stanzas, it goes like this. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, greatest treasure of my longing soul, my God, like you there is no other. True delight is found in you alone. Your grace, 
a well too deep to fathom. Your love exceeds the heaven's reach. Your truth, a fount of perfect wisdom, my highest good and my unending need. As we go to communion, I want you to meditate. Excuse me. I want you to meditate on your rock and your redeemer, the greatest treasure of your longing soul, your God. Like him, there is no other. And true delight, true delight is found in him alone. That's the real message of the little book of Habakkuk. At this time, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. For those of you who may be visiting this morning, one of our deacons will pray for the bread and the cup. The deacons will hand out the bread and cup together. And then when everyone has been served, I will read a passage of Scripture, and we will share the bread together. And then I will read another passage of Scripture, and we will drink together. If you're watching us by live stream this morning while the deacons are serving communion, we encourage you to use this as an important time of meditation and reflection. Let me also say, if you're here this morning and you're not sure whether you've ever trusted Christ as Savior, maybe you don't even know what that means, we would encourage you just to let the elements pass you by. If you're here this morning and you do know Christ as Savior, but... Maybe there's a relationship that you know needs mending. Maybe there's something in your life right now that you just don't feel right about taking communion. It's okay. It's okay to let the elements pass you by. It's part of what this is all about. It's a very important time for all of us of self-examination. So at this time, we will share communion together.